0: to the ITSB Magazine Podcast Network. You're listening to a new episode of Secure Your Strategy Podcast, where your host, Chloe Mastagi, provides strategies to leaders and managers on how to repair critical issues in security and tech. We're glad you've tuned in. It's time to secure your strategy and your stakeholder approval. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Hi, Ron. My name
1: is Chloe Mastagi. Welcome to another episode of Secure Your Strategy with ITSP Magazine. And with me today, I have the wonderful Malcolm Harkins, who if you don't know who he is, he's the Chief Security and Trust Officer at Epiphany Systems. But Also, he was the CISO for over at Intel and other things. This was a board member, he's also has written books. But there's this one post in particular that I think we should all just jump right on, and that is wasting time in meetings. But before I do, you know, Malcolm, welcome and tell us a little bit about yourself and and then we're going to just dive into about wasting people's time.
0: Yeah, thanks, Chloe. It's uh, uh, great to chat with you on this stuff. Uh, again, for those that don't know me, I spent most of my time at at Intel, 24 years there, and a good chunk of that running security and privacy and a bunch of other things. And then, uh, you know, the past several years, I've been in the startup space. Um, spent four years as chief security and trust officer with Silence, that was bought by BlackBerry. And then I've dabbled in a web application security company. I've been with Epiphany Systems since we launched. Uh, almost a year and a half ago. And then I do some board and advisory work. And uh, I, as uh, anybody who knows me, I can be noisy. I'm, I may wear my emotions on my sleeve, things that bug me. I tend to bark about, write about, uh, hopefully um, say things that in some cases other people don't feel comfortable saying. But I, for me, I've got thick skin, so I don't mind saying it and then seeing what reactions I get. And people who like what I say, lean in on it. People who dislike it will debate me, which is great because then I learn, or they'll get out of my way. Either way, at least knowing, you know, where I'm going, why I'm going there, and and the things that bug me um, allow me to get traction faster.
1: So the one thing that bugs, I think, many of us, especially if you're an executive, is when you already don't have that much time to be creative and to come up with ideas because you're in meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting and then you're exhausted and you're like, where's, I need to come up with ideas and solutions, but how can I, if I'm always in meetings? So you did write this post on LinkedIn, which is basically like, stop wasting my time. And I have to applaud you for that. I'm one of those people that I have Schedule time meetings there are 15 minutes 25 minutes and 15 minutes in particular so i have those gaps but also like i want to know what that meeting is about
0: yeah for me you know there's times where you've got an idea and you just need to catch up with people and chit chat and all that stuff and that's that's great i mean there there's meandering in certain situations and as you're getting to know people and calibrating and saying hey how are things going at home with the kids or whatever. You know, those are good things to create a human connection with people, be vulnerable and create that teaming environment. But if all you do is do that and then the rest of the meeting is unstructured and it just meanders, you are wasting time. You know, I was, um, I when I wrote that post um, a week ago, I went back, you know, Intel was fairly methodical, manufacturing company, highly disciplined and stuff like that. Andy Grove wrote a book, had to have been in the early 90s called a high output management. And it was one of the top management leadership books out there at the time. I went and found my copy of it because I wanted to go back and read some of the stuff that I had been basically uh, forged with uh, at Intel when I got out of graduate school. And, and it's funny because you know Peter Drucker and stuff that said, hey, meetings are a waste of time. And a lot of people have that view. Andy's view, which I subscribe to, is meetings is where you can get work done. If you actually plan the work, if you orchestrate the meeting, you know the purpose, you have time blocks, you have an outcome and and all the distractions that might come up might be good ideas, but you bend them, stick them off to the side. Don't, don't go into what we used to call a rat hole. You'll know, go down the rabbit hole and create a distraction unless you realize that that distraction is actually leading you to where you needed to go, but you didn't know that until you were wandering around. So there's there's an art and a science to managing meetings that if the management team and the leaders, uh, leadership team and individuals did it right, we'd actually get a ton of work done.
1: Yeah. It's also like sometimes when you have really good collaborative meetings, you brainstorm, you get ideas from the conversations itself. So it's like one of those things where like okay, we don't want all the meetings in the world to come to those ideation periods, but we wanna have it where if we're gonna do this, I wanna make sure there's no tangents. So I would say one of the issues I think many of us face is when we have certain people that are going on a tangent on a different subject, and then you're trying to bring them back into what we're supposed to talk about, but then you have other people on the team who are like, no, let's keep going on this tangent road that has nothing to do with this call. So, what are some suggestions that you have to uh, help steer it back into the direction of what that meeting was supposed to be about?
0: Well, it, it sometimes I'm more tactful than other times. So, it, in at first, let's just say you're you're new to the team, or it's starting to happen occasionally. I think you just got to go, hey, you know, are we we're going in a different path than the set objective and purpose of this dialogue, and that's fine. But that means we're not getting done what we set out to get do to do, right? I, I think saying that is a polite way to do an interrupt. Now, if everybody goes, yeah, thanks for that input, Malcolm, but we're going to go down this anyways. Okay, great. Well, as long as that outcome still leads to something, it's good. But then the question becomes: Is the thing that we originally supposed to meet on now no longer relevant, or are we going to have to schedule a separate meeting? You know, doing those type of things, are, I think, are great. But if it becomes chronic, if it, it, you know, or you start seeing it happen occasionally and occasionally with the same individuals or the same team, I, you know, I then go from poking to being less polite, frankly. And, and then at some point I stop showing up to those meetings and I'm like, you're wasting my time. And I- if I'm necessary to be there, then I'm going to disrupt your ability to get stuff done because you're not getting the stuff done we agreed needed to get done.
1: What do you say for in certain meetings where, you know, there's a note taker in there? Do you think it should be the person who scheduled the meeting to do the note taking? Or do you think there should be a point person to do the note taking depending on the group of people and how many people are in there?
0: I think, I think depending upon the group of people and the individuals, having a scribe or a note taker, you know, nowadays people have an AI that's listening in on Zoom or whatever. I don't particularly care for those things because I think recording meetings stifles conversation, yeah. openness. And then frankly, it creates in some cases security privacy and in some cases uh, legal discovery problems. <laughs> um, so So I think you have to be careful of the technology but i think typically the meeting owner needs to do it or they need to assign somebody to do it because if you're facilitating let's say a strategy dialogue right Mm -hmm. and let's say you're in person you're on whiteboards and stuff like that you really want somebody who's in essence the physical equivalent of that ai bot that's listening and taking notes and transcribing and then going wait wait wait. we said this but who owns it when's it going (laughs) to get Right? Because there's also that aspect of assigning the actions, concluding the meeting, what decisions get made, because once you're done with with the meeting, unless it's a one-on-one, and even if it's a one-on-one, like I had my one-on-one with my CEO this morning, guess what? I sent him my agenda on Sunday afternoon for our meeting, which we slipped out because another meeting ran long, and we rescheduled it today, went through the stuff, and where there's an action, where there's follow-up, I'll sometimes put notes and say, hey, I agreed to do this, this, and that. You agreed to do this, this, and that. Why? Because it it codifies the memory. You know, there's, there's this notion that I have that I call decision-maker dementia, uh, you know, and I saw it at Intel executives that would be really, really busy, would get super, super wrapped around the axle on things and then forget the dialogue but they just had an hour earlier or five minutes earlier. And so the only way in which you can true up the memory is to have those nodes. And some people look at it and go, well, well, we'll stick stuff in JIRA. We'll do an AR tracker, an action required tracker and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, the, those are useful, but it's a garbage in, garbage out. If you don't have the culture and discipline to do those things, having a tool that does automatic tracking isn't going to help you.
1: Uh, It seems kind of like, I know we had this conversation before we started recording, which was that motion versus progress situation. So what are some suggestions that you have for people to make sure that, you know, that executive does not forget what you're responsible for and move forward on those things besides doing notes and then being like, Hey, this person, um, just following up, did you get this done yet? (laughs) <laughs>
0: yeah. So I I for me, I'm I tend to pester people, right? I, I literally have to-do notes. Uh, and I write myself that stuff. Yeah. Why? Because I like to physically do that and then cross them off and crumble it up, start over again the next day, even if I carry over things. I put tasks on my calendars because I'm time driven. I want to know this time block. I meant to do these things um day in and day out, week, you know, each week, each quarter. But that's, that's who I am as an individual. For some people that are a little bit more free-flowing, well, you can't over-prescribe that to them, but you can hold up your end and, and hold them accountable. If you got a manager who says they're going to do something and they don't do it, say, hey, why didn't you get this done? They go, I was busy. Okay, well, but if they constantly say I was busy and don't get anything done... Then I frankly generally have the dialogue that says, well, you expect me to get stuff done that I committed to you on, but you're not going to do it the same way. So you end up having to do a little bit of manager-manager, but recognizing the the, the scope of, of your manager or the senior manager, or the CEO or the CISO or whatever. If you've got several hundred people and you've got all these things and you're in meetings all day long, plus you've got to do all this other stuff, your ability to remember things it's just going to be slim. So you kind of have to true up the knowledge. So I always go, where have we been? Where are we at? Where are we going? So every dialogue with the senior executive I learned over the years when I was at Intel had to start back a step. Because while it might be important to me and we agreed to it, they've got a bunch of other things that are important. So I have to walk them back and say, hey, remember a couple of weeks ago? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So refresh the brain memories. Now here's where we're at today. And here's the input that I'm giving you, and here's the direction I'm heading that I want your feedback on. Right. And then, if other people get in the way, then you have to start getting them out of the way and start basically taking ownership for it and say, hey, look, I'm, we're having this dialogue so I can get feedback and your input. And I own executing and right, making sure that the, there's a differentiation between input meaning I take it, I absorb it, and I disposition it how I want. Direction, which means I'm telling you what to do. And then if you're telling me what to do, but it's my job, we'll get out of the sausage making, that's my job, right? So you have to create those boundaries with with your management team and and sometimes your peers. And I think if you can do that well, it's like playing, uh, you don't wanna be playing kindergarten soccer where everybody's running all over the field. Right. Because if people don't hold their position, the team doesn't execute. Yeah. Right? Now, it doesn't mean you don't cover for somebody if they falter or trip or whatever. But. The people have positions in sports for a reason.
1: Yeah. It's right? like one of those issues that, like, say, for example, if in startups, this happens all the time you have a job title that isn't really showcasing of all the things that you do. So what ends up happening is that no one really knows who is responsible for what part. And so then they start going into your lane or they'll start uh, like, you know, taking over certain projects where you were already involved with and like pushing out, you know, there's all these kind of things that happen and it becomes kind of like I mean, like you said, it's like a bunch of young kids trying to play a game of soccer, not knowing their position. And then you're like, well, how do we lead this forward? And then that becomes a problem too, because then you have a leadership problem that might be part of that situation. I,
0: I totally agree with you, which is why everybody need to understand their position on the field. The coach, you know, the equivalent of the owner that's in the box up above, right, they can't also be barking in orders into the coach's ear. that head coach can't be barking in orders to everybody else's thing, they have to have to all their hold their own positions, but recognize there might be certain calls or decision making in that hierarchy that need to get made. But the people on the field are the ones that need to execute. And so you can also can't give them conflicting feedback. And if in if you're the person on the field, and you're getting that, Sit them all down. Tell them to knock it the hell off. <laughs> here's the person I'm listening to. Here's why I'm listening to it. And you all get the hell out of my way. But, you know, that's how I do it because I. I
1: that's, that's how, how you how navigate political up. games. Like you just want to sit down there and just like knock it off. If I hear one more time of this going down, you're on the board. You're going to get cut. Yeah. Is, how, so what are some. I know it's like a, a thing that we. Constantly see, and no matter what industry you're in or what team you're on, I mean, we see even on security teams where we have political games. So, yeah. what are some best practices on how to go about that when people are playing the political game?
0: Yeah, you know, I it, it, to some extent, there's uh, you got to do more than listen to what people say. You got to watch what they do. That's the easiest way to distinguish whether or not is some somebody's placating you. Or they're actually following up and following through. Um, then you have to also start recognizing if you don't see them doing that. You know, at first you might probe it in a meeting, depending upon if they're a peer or whatever. Or you might just go schedule a one-on-one with them and say, "Hey, I, I've noticed that we've agreed to certain things, and I don't see the follow-up and follow-through. You know, it's something going on? A bigger priority come from somebody else." You know, there was confusion and you didn't feel comfortable coming back to me or, you know, what I do sometimes because I can be assertive, borderline aggressive, but I also have to go, does my style cause you to then be hesitant because I can, I can be a bull in a China shop and I have sharp horns at times. And if they go, yeah, your style and approach is a little intimidating. Okay. Thank you but I have to initiate asking that because I know how I can be, because some people under that wouldn't feel comfortable saying, hey, Malcolm, knock that crap off. It's actually distracting me, right? So when I start to do that more and more, as I get frustrated, I have to go ask. Um, and if somebody says, no, 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 then I'll go, okay, well, let's knock this crap off and get stuff done, right? But, but you have to do that privately with people. Uh, and if that doesn't work, you know, frankly, you have to walk up the management chain, you know, at the end of the day, even if, it, if it's your boss, that's part of the problem.
1: Yeah, I mean, sometimes like I've heard of other people having this problem quite often where, you know, there are the political games happening and what's really happening behind scenes is there's insecurity happening. Yep. And so then there's this internal gatekeeping. That's right. Gatekeeping doesn't just happen only at the front gates. It happens when you're within the situation too. Doors are closed and they prevent people from moving forward or getting their ideas out or stealing their ideas, claiming that it's theirs. And it's just like, at the end of the day, it's like a type of people that do that are holding back an organization and security practices so, what are some, what would you say would be good tips for people that are dealing with that? Because I kid you not, I get this question on a weekly basis from strangers on LinkedIn, just messaging me, like, Chloe, this is what's going on. There's a political game happening, I'm pretty sure at work, and I'm getting gatekeeped, I think, and I don't know what to do here. And every time I'm just like, oh, this is a leadership problem. And this may be one of those situations where you may need to leave.
0: Yeah, in some cases that that is absolutely the case. I think you've got to try and maybe read between the lines and go, is it, why are they doing it, right? Are they stuck in a role vying for a promotion and need to have something that's negative held back a little bit so they can secure it? Are they perhaps being performance managed right and so therefore there's insecurities and and different things or are they just the type of person that uh if you think of a uh, a marching band and there's some people who don't play the instruments but they're in front of the band with the stuff keeping the cadence there's some people who just naturally want to be the person in front of the band because they like the limelight right now that's the style of personality thing i it is what it is i don't generally care because if if i use a band analogy and i just want to be the best trumpet player well who who cares if somebody's in front of the band right um as long as i get the recognition that i'm the best trumpet player but you know but it, again if somebody's taking your stuff and then representing it as their own or in a private meeting, they're giving you accolades. Oh my God, this is great. And you go into a senior leadership meeting and it starts falling apart, and somebody finds some rough edge on something and it, it starts going sideways. And that leader or your manager throw you under the bus and said, Well, I gave you that feedback last week before we went and did this. I can't, you know, can't believe you didn't absorb that. Then, oh God. That's, a that's a different issue. I've been in those situations. Yeah. And people have. And frankly, you have a choice. If it's in a public meeting, at some point the question just becomes, do you absorb it? Or do you frankly call them out in the meeting? And I've done both. And both have worked well at times and both have been disastrous. <laughs> I was gonna as say much.
1: which one tends to work well for you? Because it's usually like if I'm gonna lose this person as like a you know, a colleague in a sense, calling them out in the meeting is gonna be terrible but at the same time if, it if, helps you out more because you just can't let that happen in front of other executives either
0: pot- potentially depending upon the context of the situation right so if you get thrown under the bus by your management that you were already aligned with and they were supportive of if it's the first time it's ever happened and stuff like that. I, I'd I'd be a little bit puzzled and go, okay, you know, I sorry, I misunderstood the the dialogue. Let's I'll take those as actions. We'll fix that stuff, and then we'll come back, circle around, button it up, put it in a container, and then when you're done with the meeting, go say what the blank, and hold them accountable. And if they go, well, no, 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 this is again meeting discipline. Okay, well, remember we reviewed this, this, and that. Here's the meeting notes that I sent. Everything was good. Here's your email saying it was A-OK, right? That's also getting back to meeting discipline. If you had that evidence, then it's clear that they were throwing you under the bus for whatever reason. And then at that point, if they go, well, no, I, I changed my mind. Well, so you changed your mind when and why didn't you come to me with that, right? And then if it becomes problematic, you go again, up in management, or you go to the HR team and say, "Hey, look, I've I've this is not right, and and I'm gonna uh, you know take care of myself and make sure we're getting the right things done. And we have a problem leader here, and here's the evidence of it. And give them the ammo to performance manage the individual who's doing that. Because if they did it to you, they're doing it to others. Wow, if they wow. do it to others, that starts destroying the workplace environment, the culture, the caring." You, you know, people do that quietly quitting, right? Does that good for the broader organization? No, right? So that's where at some point you have to take accountability for performance managing your management team if they are not doing what they should do and how they should do it.
1: Yeah, and you're 100% correct. Most of the time when someone's doing that to you, they're doing it to other people. And it's one of those things. And I don't know, sometimes I find that people that tend to do that pretty well, they also are really good at masking. You know, the ones when they're in the meeting, like, I'm so grateful like that you work here in front of everyone, right, publicly, or like, that's so cool. I'm so excited to work on this together. But then behind scenes, they're trying to do whatever they can to diminish you. And it's like, it's my blame for me because I'm just like, why would you even need to do that in the first place? Like, I just feel like that's more of a, it, it becomes a problem where you stall the growth of the company, you stall the whatever that team is supposed to be doing at the same time. Yeah,
0: and I know this. Is, it's different, but if you think of it similarly, even though the context is different, to harassment, hostility, um, sexual advances in the workplace, if they're doing those things to you, they're likely doing them to other people. And it needs to be addressed, right? The context is completely different, but it's a behavioral issue. And so if the behavior exhibits itself and you think that it it wasn't just innocuous or a mistake, you have to go address it.
1: What are some flags that you see of people that tend to do these type of maneuvers that people can kind of see ahead of time to predict that might happen?
0: Yeah, great question. I. Again, that's where observing, you know, how they do it to other people and also being intolerant of when they do it to other people, right? I've been in those situations where I've had, you know, a senior executive in a company basically throw another senior executive under the bus and, you know, and rail on them. And I was remote. I I went to that you know senior executive and I dropped him a note and said, I'm incredibly disappointed in you. Y- you did this, 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 and that. That should have never occurred. Shame on you. And I expect better from you because even though I don't report to you, you're more senior than I am in this hierarchy. So either correct me or tell me why the situation occurred this way. It called me up. We had a, a really great dialogue on it. Then that other executive called me an hour later because they knew my Thank style you. and said, "You must have talked to so and so because I got a call from them apologizing." Yeah. That they had a bad day, and it just happened that they took it out on me in front of the entire staff. And I'm like, "Okay, great." And mm-hmm. I never said that I had talked with the individual, but they had figured somebody had, and I'm <laughs> the noisy one. They they had figured it was me. Um, because um, the CEO wasn't in that staff meeting. Um, it was the person who was running it and covering it. Right. So I I, I think you've just got to always, you know, speak up. And and then the question just becomes when and how you do it, where you're sharing your thoughts, but you're also open to feedback where you might not have the full set of information. And there might be other circumstances like somebody had a bad day okay hey no worries no harm no foul right but if you're having bad days all the time and you have an excuse after excuse after excuse at some point i'm sorry
1: that doesn't work yeah it's keeping track of what you're experiencing and if you have evidence of that to keep that as well keep it like a tracker of some sort like excel doc for example like moment, time, what happened, that kind of thing. Like that's what you need to do in these cases if it happens so many times repeatedly.
0: Yeah, and most people believe that you get performance coached, performance managed tops down, maybe occasionally sideways. I look at it and I go, I've had employees, I've actually done speech, Jersey Rube, who retired from Intel a couple of years ago when I had uh, done a tour change and did Sarbanes and circle back to security and stuff. I was frustrated, I was irritated with some of the prior leaders and how the things had gone and things, you know, and, and so I was barking about that type of stuff in the staff meetings and stuff. Jersey flew down from from Oregon, uh, sat me down in the cafeteria and said, you're better than that. Quit throwing your predecessors under the bus. That is not relevant to what you need to get done. And you're, you're making it harder on all of us because we all worked for them. Mm-hmm. so he basically took me to task on my behaviors and my approach and he was right so I also as a management leader I want people that I work with that if I'm doing things that are encumbering them or not enabling them I want them to whack me upside the head
1: yeah, or come I'm to a you little bit
0: thick but I'll eventually take coaching <sighs> Um, but but, if we can do that honestly with each other, it becomes easier to just work through things and not just let them fester,
1: yeah. so big takeaways from this this entire session I would say is don't waste people's time. Think it through. Do you need to meet have that meeting? If you do, how's it gonna be organized? make sure people are on top of it, and you're gonna have to pester people to get things done a lot of the time. Have a to-do list it might be your best friend um but then also don't put up a political games so if you see it call it out keep track of it call it out because sometimes they don't know that they're actually doing those things sometimes sometimes yes. but Absolutely. there are times when they definitely know what they're doing but that is yeah how because people we're
0: already, are. we're dealing, yeah we're dealing so much on the external battlefield but that internal battlefields of budgets, bureaucracies, and behaviors, we need to you know, fight equally as strong to make sure that doesn't encumber what we need to do to manage the risks and, and other issues that we're faced with um, you know, in our day-to-day jobs.
1: Yeah, find that common ground. Why do you have to work together? And it's always because people rely on you. Your team is gonna rely on you. Your company's growth is going to rely on you. And so because that, we have to work together. Throwing people under a bus is just going to cause people to quite quit, and they're not going to be creative. They're not going to come up with new ideas because they're going to take that to their next employer. Yep. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Malcolm, for being on here today. I'm sure so many people have learned some good strategies, good practices, and also talking about a subject that we don't really talk about as much, which is how do you deal with these type of issues that can really reduce and hinder your growth? as a company, as an organization, but also individually. It's, te- it's like terrible that people have to go through these things because it messes up on so many other parts of who they are sometimes. So don't let your work take you home, I guess, in one way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, well, thanks, Malcolm. And I hope to have you on again. And for anyone who is interested in learning more about Malcolm, the information is below. Make sure to check out the blog post that he posted about Stop Wasting My Time also his books and everything else. He's a wonderful person. Reach out to him anytime his DMs are open. Thanks, Chloe. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Secure Your Strategy
0: Podcast with Chloe Mastagi, part of the ITSB Magazine Podcast Network. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then share this channel and ITSBmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations,
1: sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey.